Data and Psychology podcast. I am Charlotte Skogsberg, your host for this podcast. I am enchanted to meet and to take you with me on this journey into the human psyche viewed from the holistic approach of yoga and Ayurveda and viewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat, or go out for a nice walk in nature, maybe. Enjoy. In this week's episode that focuses on Ayurveda, I want to continue my chat on stillness and the importance of stillness. So in order to even catch your attention on the subject of stillness, let's be clear on one thing. The biggest issue that we seem to encounter in terms of health today is always traceable to the fact that our system, as in physical body, mind, the brain, all of that, emotions, are incapable of completely relaxing. Why do I say that? I say that, of course, because when our nervous system is still stimulated, that there's activity going on, we do not have the possibility to allow for the mental activity to reduce. So this is, of course, why mainly we relax when we sleep. And that very often in other moments of the day when we're still wake, awake, we are not actually relaxing. It is essential for our nervous system to be able to relax for any other system in the body to also relax and therefore restore itself. The nervous system is the king or the queen in the body, it controls the activity of all the other systems, such as the blood circulation, respiratory, um, endocrine systems or hormones, digestive system, muscles, skeleton, and so on and so forth. This means that if our nervous system is constantly heightened, vigilant, it is reading the environment as a threat and therefore it doesn't allow for such luxury as proper digestion to happen. Instead, it is constantly ready to get up and get out of the situation, right? We call it fight, 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 flight, freeze. Therefore, when we begin to notice that we're not feeling well for whatever reason, maybe we don't even have physical manifestations of our unwellness, but we might just notice it more mentally, brain fog or whatnot. We then begin to turn our attention towards how to, well, just make the nervous system relax more so that we can restore better. And then we encounter one big difficulty, and that is that we don't know how to do it. We don't know how to do it, and let's not forget the fact that, I've mentioned more than once, I think, in the past, our brain is wired for the recognition of patterns, which means our brain is wired for familiarity or, shall we call it, habits. If we do not have the habit to relax, 
then it's going to feel unfamiliar and this is why we're going to find it hard to do. And if we want to restore our system and therefore learn to relax it, we need to address relaxation the same way we address any other new skill to learn. That means that we need to create space for training and we need to be consistent in this training. So that's just the little summary, let's say, of why you should be interested in finding stillness and promoting it and practicing it on a daily basis. That is only on the health level, which is, of course, often what I focus on when we speak from the Ayurvedic perspective. But even more so, I spoke about in the previous episode, if you haven't listened to that one, you might want to go back and listen to that one after this, on the simple fact of enriching our experience, stepping out of the narrative and into the quality of the moment, which is also where all the joy really resides, because all of a sudden we are not so much in the worrying or the to-do list. And since I wanted to speak about Ayurveda today, I thought that it would come in rather handy to begin with explaining that the sister science to Ayurveda, that is called yoga, has, well, basically of its goal to establish stillness, that you establish yourself in yoga, which means you establish yourself in your true essence. And your true essence is the part of you that never changes. So, if this sounds like gibberish to you, like Greek, like Chinese, whatever the expression in your language might be, something that you don't understand, let me begin from the philosophy that is the base for yoga, or at least for the yoga that would be used when we read the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And that is often what most yoga teachers, uh, I think today, are used to. That yoga of Patanjali, just like the science of Ayurveda, are both both basing themselves on this Sankhya philosophy. The Sankhya philosophy, which is one of the six Hindu schools that comes or springs from the Vedas. Vedas being the most ancient science in the world from the Indian subcontinent, because it was not just India back then, but included Pakistan, Bangladesh, I believe Indonesia were parts of it. And this Sankhya philosophy has two principles, consciousness and matter. And those of you who might have heard me speak about Ayurveda before might recognize this. Matter is defined as ever-changing. So anything that is submitted to the principle of constant change is part of matter and anything who is not is consciousness the living world the organisms as we see around us and that we are is a merging of the two 
It is consciousness, therefore bringing matter to life. But anything that is changeable, such as my physical body, my thoughts, my emotions, are actually matter. The one thing that doesn't change is that part of my body, my thoughts, my emotions, that will never change. That sense of I. The sense of I, or even that part of me that can observe the changes. I can only observe the changes if I'm not actually part of the change. Therefore, when we want to find stillness from this yogic philosophy, based on the Yoga Sutras, the lesson is to learn how to see through the ever-changing of matter and recognize the self, the stable part, the eternal in it. And actually the Yoga Sutras begins with the fact that yoga is the stilling of the mind. Stilling being the word to put the emphasis on here. Because in the mind there are these thoughts, right? Fluctuations, movements that we identify with, that we get caught up in, and which makes us unstable because we get caught up in them. If, however, we become capable to develop a skill where we can observe them without identifying with them, we stay in the stable zone of the self. We stay in stillness. So yoga in its essence is the regulation of the mental fluctuations. It's the stilling of the mind. We want to learn how to control the thought processes and learn how to use them properly. Thoughts are tools. They can be used for good or bad, just like a knife. Or, let's say, medicine. Taken properly, it can heal you. And taken the wrong way, it can actually kill you. Thoughts are a part of matter, therefore. They're unpredictable even, so they keep changing. And therefore, what we need to be able to see as we establish ourselves in the stillness is that we are not our thoughts. It is a strange lesson for many who have never looked into spirituality, yet it is a very mind-opening understanding when we actually integrate that fact that I am not my thoughts and that I can choose what thoughts I want to think. It's like clouds, they come and go, but the sky stays the same. And that is my sense of I. This is the self. And of course, like I also spoke about in the previous episode on this, and I'm sure that this is the root cause for many of our pains and suffering. The root cause, really, of our suffering is the fact that we keep identifying with the thoughts. If I think it, it must be true. 
And this is, of course, why, therefore, we are so unsettled in our minds. And that when we sit down and shut everything else off, it seems as if the activation happens even faster, which isn't actually the case. It's just that we're less distracted, so we notice it more. And the goal would therefore be, from this Sankhya philosophy, from the Yoga Sutras, and from Ayurveda, to establish the skill of finding stillness strongly so that we stay stable and therefore see ourselves for who we truly are so that the self, the true self, can shine through. If we learn how to stand stable in this state of the stillness and connect to that sense of I, that stable, true essence of I, we also therefore access complete freedom, really. Because all of a sudden, the labels that we have become accustomed to, they're still there. Don't get me wrong. It's not as if, oh, all of a sudden, nothing is there. But we can also see them for what they are, labels. So we can lessen the importance of them. We can continue to stay stable. We can learn to read what is going on in our surrounding, what is happening with someone else, without getting caught up in it, but instead see it for what it is. This is, of course, why when we are in a state of stillness, even if it's very brief, we enjoy it and we want more of it. All of a sudden, we don't seek approval in that moment because we don't need approval in that moment. We're like the sun that doesn't need to be shine. Well, it doesn't need to, to have a lamp in order for us to see it because it, it's illuminous by itself, right? Um, so from the Ayurvedic perspective, the way that we establish this is by establishing balance, actually, in our constitution. Why do I say that? Once again, let's come back to this idea that everything is consciousness and matter. And if me, being consciousness and matter, is in a state of complete imbalance, where matter, therefore, is um, all over the place and accumulated here and there, creating all kinds of mental, physical, um, emotional imbalances and manifestations, then my, I get cluttered, right? So the, the true sense of self cannot shine through and I can't find stillness. The work, therefore, of Ayurveda to find balance is so that the water becomes clear, if you will, that the mud of kapha settles in the, in the bottom of the lake and that the water is really, really clear that the fire of pita is strong but controlled and therefore shines, illuminates and warms without spreading, without burning. And that the air, the space that is vata, is just like that vata time of the morning Brahma Murta, the, the perfect time of the day to meditate where 
the connection between a high reality and the living is clear. The filter is clear. But their wind is still. And so in that, the soul, if you will, the self, the purusha, can shine through in that stillness. So when I spoke about all of this in the episode previously, I also mentioned the fact that, okay, that sounds great, so how do you do it? How do you get there? And that it takes practice and this and that. And the thing is, what I would want to say from the Ayurvedic perspective on this is even more practical, because Ayurveda is very practical. Each and one of the recommendations in terms of a daily routine, the rituals to maintain, are there in order to establish stillness in the being. And I would want to add on to that the fact that in modern neuropsychiatry, where they speak about how habits are formed and that we're really wired to be addicted to things that has a high reward for us, Ayurveda knew this, even if the practitioners thousands of years ago obviously were expressing it differently to how it's expressed today from our modern perspective. But really, when we look at the practices, well, let's say the practices of any kind of spiritual work, no matter what the beliefs are, it is very much a question of rituals, right? There's rituals to perform this and that. We create a procedure of how we start the day, how we do this in the morning, how we prepare a meal, how we might pray to the gods, whatever that might be, because prayers can look in many different ways and can be called things that are not the word prayers, but actually are very much the same things. Even affirmations would be prayer, I would say, right? Mantras, the things that we keep telling ourselves, the repetition of certain things are prayers. The fact that we might um, feel reluctant to the word prayer has more to do with what we associate that word with of some kind of dogmatic patriarch control over humans with fear <laughs> coming from religion and that is absolutely not what it needs to be so when we want to learn a new skill develop a skill make it into who we are on a daily basis because we want to embody it, we want to identify with this, then we use the understanding of habit formation. We use the understanding of creating a routine of something, creating rituals around something. What's the difference between a ritual and just any other thing that we do? Well, I would say that in a ritual, Every single thing that we do has an intention and a meaning. There's a reason we do this that way and there's a reason we do it that way um, at this time of the day, whatever. And so in order to 
produce the ritual and to repeat it, it cannot be done kind of half-assed and it cannot be done mindlessly because then all of a sudden it's not even a ritual anymore. So in order for it to actually be the ritual, we need to stop everything else that we're doing, let's say, and then actually proceed to do X, Y, Z so that the procedure of the ritual is respected. And we need to therefore be very mindful. And often there are aspects to the ritual that forces us to be mindful. Let's say we need to light something like a candle or a piece of wood or an incense stick, for instance. We need to be aware of what we're doing. And this is part of the whole process of bringing our minds where we want it to go. Coming back to that idea of yoga being a skill to develop, to control the fluctuations of the mind so that the mind establishes itself in stillness, in its true nature. This means that I can create a routine of things that I do in the morning and things that I do in the evening as a way to mark the beginning of a day and the ending of a day. By doing that and by repeating them every single morning and evening, I regulate the fluctuations of the mind in that specific moment during that ritual. Let's say, for instance, that every single morning I sit down to meditate. Or I might journal. Or I might do some breathing exercises and chant OM. Or I might do all of it. Since it is a ritual that I've created with quite specific procedures that I want to maintain, I need to be focused on what I'm doing and I need to be mindful and present while I'm doing it. The more I do this, the easier it becomes to do it. Remember, what we practice grows stronger. And actually what I'm doing is that I'm creating this skill in my mind of being in the moment present and in stillness. When I do this the first few times, that might be hard. But as I continue doing it, it becomes easier, it becomes a skill. And more than that, over time, I will be able to take that state that I'm in, that now has become a habit for me at that time of the day, and repeat it in other moments of my day. Maybe without even having a ritual around it. And that, my friend, is how you develop stillness and then increase its duration. I am so grateful that you have chosen to give me some time of your day to listen to this episode. Now, this is all done on my free time. There's no money involved in this podcast. So if you would like to support me somehow, I would love for that to happen. And you could do that by simply rating and reviewing. So what that means is that if you're listening on Apple Podcast, you can simply give me five stars review and you can give me a commentary. Obviously, if you feel that it deserves it, 
Once again, thank you so much and enjoy the listening. For anyone who doubts the practice of yoga or Ayurveda and its benefits, ask yourself why on earth that would even exist for over 5,000 years in certain parts, not everywhere, unless it actually had some effect on people. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time. Namaste. Mm-hmm.